too much, right? But what you do is you take your child and you see how many Cheerios you can stack on them while they're sleeping. And so uh, obviously this guy's doing pretty good. Well, that's like, I don't know, four, five, six. So let's see what some other dads have done here. That looks like one, two, three, four, five. I see six there, six there. And that's a large cranium, by the way. He's got a real good base to work with there. Um, okay, and there's another one here. This guy, yeah, pro status. On the nose, uh, in nap position, dad in nap position himself. So that's really quite impressive. You can do other things, though. You can be a little more creative if you want to. You can use other appendages. So you can use the arm if you want to get more and higher numbers. That's really important. You can do that. Or you can be like this guy right here, and you can get... Here it comes. There it is. That's right, people. That's 18. Come on. That's 18. That's good stuff right there. So challenge issued, challenge accepted. So I don't know. Try it this week. See what happens. Maybe uh, the hashtag one chapel or something. We'd love to see your progress. Okay, maybe not. Um, but hey, it is Father's Day, and so we'd love to pray for the dads real quick. Can we do that? Hey, join me in praying for them. Heavenly Father, thank you for dads. What an incredible thing, men who are uh, ready and willing and able to advance the kingdom of God in their generation and in their families and their kids. We pray today that you would bless every dad in a significant way, that you would encourage them, that you would give them strength and endurance. Father, that you would give them wisdom, even beyond their years, no matter what phase of life they're in, that you would help them to lead their families in the ways of God. Lord, today we're mindful of those, those uh, families where this is challenging Maybe those dads that have lost children or, or the um, people who have lost their fathers, Lord, today we pray that you would give them grace and strength. We pray that you would comfort them and that you would walk closely with them today. Father, we pray that you'd help us all to remember that you are our heavenly Father. And we're so grateful for that, that we have your um, spirit and your guidance and your life within us and that you want good for us. We trust you, Father. And so we give you this day. We pray that you would speak through me and hear through them. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. As we get started here this morning, I would like to encourage you just a little bit. In that, we have a problem. We have a bit of a problem. And many of you in the room have this problem. I have dealt with this problem many times in my life, and it really is an issue. And the problem is, is that we are loners. Right? Like we, we try to live life by ourselves for whatever reason. It may just be push away and defense mechanisms and trying to keep everybody at bay for whatever reason. Lots of reasons can be in there. We try to keep everybody at bay, so we live life alone. But the thing that we're going to talk about today is that God did not design us to live our lives alone. We weren't supposed to do that. And so it's really challenging. Actually, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 18, we find this little verse that says, it is not good that man should be alone. That's a great verse. And, and a lot of times we, you know, we, we take that in context of Adam and Eve. And so we think, yeah, that's right. Men need women because without women, men are idiots. <laughs> hey, that's often what we think. Now, I have a theory about this. And my theory is that actually men do grow exponentially stupider the more men you add into any given situation without women. So, uh, yes, I use the word stupider. I chose that word intentionally, even though it's not a word. Men grow exponentially stupider. I can tell you stories from my younger days where we grew stupider. The more guys you added in without any ladies around to keep us calm, to keep us going, hey, what's up, and trying to keep it cool, 
we would do dumb things. I can tell you about camping trips, five, six guys, friends, going out into the forest just by ourselves for several days at a time, just doing idiotic things, dangerous things, batteries in the fire type of things. How big a battery can we put in and how close can we get to the fire? I mean, stupid kinds of things. I know, Dad, I'm sorry. <laughs> going, go, we did terrible, terrible, terrible things with bows and arrows that I will not mention. Dangerous, awful things because men get stupider. But we need women, so yes, that's true. But, but that's not really necessarily. That's in this verse. But really what this verse is talking about is for all of us, for men, for women, for everybody. We need other people. It is not good that we live life alone. So we're in this community series, and we're talking about this idea. We're talking about how much we really need one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. Just one of the many verses that just kind of proves to us right at the beginning that God has designed and destined for all of us to participate in each other's lives, to encourage each other, we're to build each other up. That means we are supposed to be active in each other's lives, to help and not to hurt. The problem, though, is that each of us, we tend to fall at some time into this trap of trying to live life alone. I know I certainly have. And I think this is one of the reasons why a lot of us, we struggle to grow spiritually. It's because we just try to do it all by ourselves. And that's why we got to get through our heads. You can't do it. You can't grow spiritually on your own. It's not going to happen. We have to have other people in our lives to help us. And so I really like this message. Today we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about three ways that we help one another grow. And I love this message because it's like instantly practical. It's, it's, we're able to use it immediately. When you go to lunch today, you can start using some of these things. In fact, we may even use some of it here this morning. So it's really great because you can take it and tomorrow you can go into work and you can use these principles and you can help your, your uh, coworkers grow. You can use this today with your boyfriend or your girlfriend and you can help them grow. You can use this with your husband or your wife and you can help them grow. I know some of your wives are saying, well, thank God because he needs it. So, oh, too close? Okay, never mind. Uh, you can use this with your kids. This is Father's Day. And so you can use this. Dad, you can use this information to help your kids grow and transform them. Really, absolutely incredible. So we're just going to jump right into it. We'll talk about the first way that we do this. The first way we can help each other grow spiritually is by affirming each other's worth. Affirming each other's worth. If you haven't figured it out by now, everybody is looking for affirmation. Everybody wants it. All you got to do is turn on the TV, take any reality TV show, and you will see that people will do really dumb things for a little bit of applause. People will do really crazy things for a little bit of affirmation. Even if you open up your phone and you look at your feed and you think about the way that you use social media, you might find this is true in your own life. If I'm honest, I certainly do. I'll post something to Instagram and then I'll go about my day. But then, you know, five minutes later, I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if anybody liked that. <laughs> I mean, I don't really care, but I'm just going to look anyway. <laughs> oh. Right? You do that. You think about, oh, is anybody going to retweet this thing that I tweeted? Because it was stellar. Is anybody going to comment on the post that I just made? What's going to happen there? I mean, it, you see it pretty clearly. All of us, we just want a little bit of affirmation from people. We want likes. So when you and I do this work, we're really doing some incredible work, godly work in the world. Because what we're doing is we're showing people a tangible example of who God is. We're revealing something about the nature of the Father. And when you look at Jesus' life, he was constantly doing this. He was affirming other people's worth everywhere that he, that he went. So when we do this, we are actually ministering like Jesus ministered. We're representing God to an incredibly affirming and loving Father. We're showing the world a little bit more of what God 
is like. But the question is how? How do we do it? Because if we're honest, most of us are not naturals at this, right? It does not come easy to us. So let's talk about a few ways that we do it. One way we can affirm other people is through our acceptance. I mean, it's pretty simple, through our acceptance. Romans 15, 7 says, accept one another just as Christ accepted you. But it's so easy to do the other thing. It's so easy to snub people because I don't have time. It's so easy to belittle people. It's so easy to just demean people. That comes naturally from us. So it's so simple, especially if you've had a really bad day. It's so easy just to give somebody the backhand. It just comes out of us. And I think there's a couple factors in our world that makes us do this. Like, I, I kind of think that we live in a, a put-down culture. I mean, everything that we look at, the social media that we mentioned before, it, everything that we look and we see, we're, we're kind of taught to judge. We're kind of taught to compare talents and compare abilities and compare uh, things that we own and all that happens. Like, there's a family here uh, at one chapel getting ready to go to Portland, unfortunately, because we love them so much. But the Hansen family, Ben and Gina Hansen, most of you know who they are. Incredible people. I hate his Instagram feed. I just hate it. Everything's perfect. His house is perfect. It's so incredibly cool. I mean, I'm like, did you bring a lighting guy in? And did you, like, stage the shot? His kids are perfect. Little angels, perfect clothes. Everything is just right. I look at his feed. I look at my kids and go, what's wrong with you? I don't, I don't do that. I don't do that. Be cuter. Look at this. I don't do that. Yeah, you're laughing because you know. You know the same thing. You look and go, oh, man, their life looks perfect. Oh, their house looks amazing. Oh, it looks really awesome. Um, we all have kind of experienced this thing. Our social media feeds do it to us all day long. I mean, we have, we have like Google reviews for churches. I don't understand this. I don't understand. We're saying, well, I give that church a four and a half stars. What does that mean? We have Yelp reviews for church, for the body of Christ. It's a very strange place that we live in. It's like every TV show that you turn on has like a panel of three judges now. And so they're all standing there and judging the work that everybody is doing. And somehow that seeps into us. Somebody does something or says something, we say, hmm, that was not good. That was simply atrocious. We Simon Cowell people. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You're probably fine. It's so easy when we feel bad to bring other people down. The second factor, I think, is that we all have this tendency to, to, to project our strengths onto other people. And then when they don't measure up to that, we kind of look down our nose at them. So some of you, for example, are, you're very punctual. You're on time. I'm not so much that guy. I like to be, I don't know, on time, maybe three minutes, five minutes, you know, fashionably late. And you people who are punctual, you look down your nose at me and go, mm, tisk tisk. It's not good showing me I'm not very important to you, aren't you? <laughs> right? Now, you know, you know, because you're like, you're like that. You're like my wife. You're like, five minutes early is on time. On time is late. Oh, come on. <laughs> I don't understand you. That's not me. Some of you are very tidy, right? You're, you're tidy. Your home is immaculate. It's wonderful. Like you could eat off of any surface in your entire home. It just doesn't matter. Sometimes you throw food on the ground just because you can. It's so clean. <laughs> Not my house. <laughs> we recently moved. We have three little children. So there's toys around. There's stuff going on. Right now there's boxes everywhere because we just moved. But it's going to be like that for, I don't know, another couple years. But <laughs> you come over to a house like mine and you look around and go, oh, just, I'm not sure we can stay. I might, I mean, are we going to serve food here? I mean, it's really disgusting, right? And you just kind of talk to your husband and leave, right? Now, you know, you know what that feels like. Some of you are like that. Some of you are on the other end. 
And we look at that situation because we projected a strength that we have on somebody else. We go, oh, you don't quite measure up to me. And so we feel just a little bit better about ourselves. I think this is a problem. But what if we decided we're not going to live like this? What if we just decided we're going to lift other people up? We're going to encourage people. We're going we're to draw out the best in them. And this takes an intentional decision on our parts. One of the greatest ways that we feel better about ourselves is to lift other people up, to help and encourage them. I know it seems like that dig on Facebook, that, that, that comment to somebody that feels good, oh, I rose up a little bit there, but you didn't. Really, if you want to encourage and help other people, that's the best way that you can help yourself feel better about life and encourage yourself. Romans 14, 10, you then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. This verse is just saying, hey, look, God is the father. God is the creator. He's the one that's going to judge everybody. All of us, me included, are going to stand before him one day. So who am I? Who am I to judge, to take that position and judge somebody else? So what are we really doing when we do this, when we put somebody down? What are we doing when we live this way? Are we living like Jesus? No. In fact, we're living kind of like the enemy. <laughs> I mean, the Bible calls Satan the accuser. He's the accuser of the brother. He's the one that runs around and points all these things out about us. He's the one bringing accusation against us. And so when we participate in this kind of life, we're actually doing his work for him, and he likes that. I don't want any part of that. I don't want to be that person. So what if we chose instead to lift people up through acceptance and actually partner with God and his work? I think there's a simple test to prove that you've kind of learned this and that you can accept other people. It's when you stop trying to force them to become just like you. Stop making them be just like you. Now, I'm not talking about we just accept everybody and whatever you do and whatever you think is fine with us. That's not what I mean. Because Jesus wants to do work in all of us. He wants to take us from where we are. He wants to move us and transform us and help us to become more like him. So all of us need to change. All of us need to transform. I'm not saying we just accept and leave. But we accept them where they are to invite the Holy Spirit to come in and do his work. Amen. Another way that we affirm other, other people is by showing them attention. This is different than acceptance. Because you can accept somebody but still ignore them completely. So we show them attention. Galatians 6.10 says, give special attention to those who are in the family of believers. It's a cool verse. We're told to give special attention to the people that are in the family of God. It's one of the benefits of being a part of the body of Christ. It's one of the great benefits of being a part of a local church and being plugged in and connected. You get special attention. And here's the principle behind this. Whatever we pay attention to grows. Whatever you pay attention to is going to grow. If I pay attention to my garden, <laughs> okay, like I have a garden. Uh, if, I paid if someone, if Sarah paid attention to her garden, it's going to grow. If I pay attention to my job, my career, it's going to grow. When I pay attention to my spouse and our marriage, it gets better. It grows. When I pay attention to my children, when I focus attention on them, I can help them grow. The only place where this doesn't seem to work is hair. Like for some of you guys, you're paying a lot of attention to it and it just keeps going away. So I'm sorry about that. I apologize. I can feel your disdain even now. So never mind. Let's move on. <laughs> what people want more than anything is focused attention. They want to know they matter. They want to know that their thoughts matter. They want to know that their lives matter, that they're valuable, that you're not more interested in watching TV than you are or looking at your phone than you are listening to them. Guys, you know how this works because you've been out to dinner with your wife or your girlfriend and you're looking and, and just beyond her shoulder is a television. <laughs> and you, you're laughing because you know and you're talking and it's like, it's a commercial. I don't even care about this. It's like a shampoo commercial. Uh, my eyes are drawn away. So easy. 
What if we decided, I'm gonna pull my attention, my focus back, I'm gonna show people that they matter. The average American now spends, I read this week, five to six hours a day on their computer or phone. Can you imagine? That's over 30 hours a week. That's 1,560 hours a year. That's like spending 97 days straight at 16 hours a day sitting in front of a screen. And then many of us say, oh, I don't have time for relationships. Oh, I don't have time to go to a group. Ow, really? Is that really true? What if we just pulled back on some of that stuff and decided to invest? And some, some guys truly don't get this because some men are like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. I mean, I'm, I got a job, got a good job. I'm taking care of my wife. We've got money. They've got a house. They've got clothes. Uh, we've, got, we've got food. We're doing fine. I mean, what else do they want? Well, they want you. They just want you. They want your time. They want your focus. They want your attention. Nothing can compensate for time with you. Kids don't need stuff. They need parents. They need time. They need time with you. Marriages need time and friendships need time and groups need time. We need focused attention. And so I'd like to give you just a little bit of homework this week if I can. Can I? No? Okay, great. Listen. <laughs> this week, I want you to go and I want you to look for opportunities to show attention to people in your life, to coworkers, to spouses, to boyfriends and girlfriends. I want you to show them attention, give them time, give them focus. It's the greatest gift of love that you can give them. And it will not happen unless you make the opportunity for it. It doesn't just come to us. Another way that we affirm one another is by showing affection. Oh boy, it's gonna get crazy in here. We show affection to one another. Some of you are familiar with this condition called failure to thrive syndrome. It's where a little baby, if not caressed and stroked and touched and loved, won't develop properly. In fact, in some cases, when starved of it, can actually die. Most of you have heard of that and you know that that happens within children, but you don't know that it actually happens in adults as well. UCLA, UCLA did a study a while back, discovered that to be a healthy, fulfilled, satisfied adult, we need eight to 10 physical, meaningful touches a day. Now, husbands are saying, I've been trying to tell her that for a long time, but <laughs> that's another message entirely. I'm talking about handshakes, I'm talking about hugs, I'm talking about pats on the back, I'm talking about a little squeeze. This is how God made us. In order to grow, we need meaningful contact and touches every day. And so, everybody, I'd like to invite you to stand up. Oh, no. Yeah, just stand up. Stand up right where you are. Okay? Now, I just want you, we'll, we'll ease into it, okay? I just, just stretch, stretch a little bit. Yeah, just stretch. You're too tense. You got all tense just now. Just stretch a little bit, get loose, okay, relax, breathe deep. Okay, now I just want you to turn and I want you to hug a total stranger. Just do it, just find somebody you don't really know and give them a hug. Yep, that's good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hi, guys. <laughs> Easy. Easy. He's scared me. Okay. All right. Some of you are trying to get your 8 to 10 right now. Stop it. It's too much. Sit down. <laughs> Meaningful touches, not harmful touches. Um, now, there were two reactions when we did that. Some of you were like, Oh, I am never coming back to this place again. <laughs> that is the worst church I've ever been to. Others of you were saying, dude, 
I wasn't sitting by her. Let's do this again. Do it next week. I'll plan better. I'll be in a better position. Let's just make this a part of the service. I'm actually a hugger. I, I like hugs. I really enjoy hugs. Um, and so I'd like to just encourage you a little bit. Some of you men, it's hard for you. It's challenging for you. I want to give you just a few things that you can practice and actually do. Let's see. Maybe Marty. How about Marty? Let's have Marty come up here really quick and let's just demonstrate a few things really fast. I like to hug Marty because it just feels like a big bear. It's fantastic. So it's, it's really fuzzy when you get up in there. So, 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 uh, the first one is called the three pat hug and it's, it's one that you guys can use just to kind of enter in and get out really quick. And so you can, if you're, if you're kind of new to the deal, you can do it. It just kind of goes like this, kind of like almost done. Okay. And you're out, done, finished. I feel good. That was enough. Yeah, that's right. Um, the other one is the side hug. The side hug is really good. It kind of goes like this, looks like this. We, we use this with teenagers a lot, you know. So, yeah, it's a Christian hug. We're like buddies moving forward. It's really awesome. Save room for the Holy Spirit. It's all, it's all good. There's, there's other ones that you can use, like the A-frame. The A-frame hug is kind of like this. You just go like that, and that's also very pure and good. You can use that for teenagers. It's really good. Um, and then there's the one that I like the most. It's the bear hug. It's like this. Just get in there and, oh. <laughs> that's good. Give Marty a hand, everybody. That. You need to hug Marty later. He does feel like a big bear. It's fantastic. And uh, he also works hard up here, so he's also a little sweaty. So you might want to bring a towel. But um, Romans 12.10 says, love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family. How cool is that? Hey, everybody, we are a family. I mean, like it or hate it, we are. I'm your brother. You're my brother. You're, you're my sister. I mean, we're in this thing together. And I'm committed. I'm committed to you. So healthy brothers and sisters, they show affection to each other. That's what they do. And you've got to show it. It's not enough to just say it. I know you guys are like, no, she knows. She knows. They know. They know. I'm just like, sup, yo. Uh, they know. No, it's not enough. They need to feel it from us. They need to feel that. Affection is not just words. So this week, here's what I want you to do. Another homework assignment. I want you to go. I want you to hug people. I just want you to hug. All over the city. Everywhere you go, just hug people. You should probably know them. It's probably safest to know them. Um, you probably shouldn't try this with people you don't know. And if it gets weird, you just say, oh, my pastor told me to do it. It's fine. That won't be weird at all. It'll be fine. But let's just, let's just raise the level of being brothers and sisters. Then uh, another way we affirm, affirm each other is by showing appreciation. Appreciation is such an amazing thing. If you've ever purchased a home, you know about this. You purchase a home and it starts growing in value. It appreciates. On the other side, if you purchase a car, it depreciates. So as soon as you drive off the lot, it's like, oh, what have I done? But that's not what a home does. And so what happens when we appreciate other people, we raise their value. You appreciate other people, you raise their value. Every time you appreciate somebody, you raise their value to you and you raise their value to other people around. Think about how that works with your children, with your wife. You can see it. Honey, I appreciate you so much and what you do for our family. Boom, you just raised her value. In your eyes, in everybody's eyes around that hears it. Pretty incredible. Everything you appreciate increases in value. First Thessalonians 5.12, brothers and sisters, appreciate those who work hard among you, who lead you in the word and teach you. When was the last time you walked down these hallways and you walked down there to the big classroom and as you received your kid, you said, hey, I just want to say thank you. You do a great job. I get to drop my kid off here and you pray with them and you disciple them and you teach them about Jesus and you read the Bible and you worship. It's pretty incredible. And I get to go do this. What an incredible thing. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. When was the last time you did that with a Chinese leader? When's the last time you did that with ushers who help us in this room? When's the last time you did that with your family? When's the last time you said, I appreciate you and what you do and raised their value? So this week, we're going to name this Host Appreciation Week. I think this is probably the last homework assignment. This week, when you go to your Supper for Six group, I just want you to walk in and say, 
I appreciate you opening up your home for us to come. I appreciate you providing us the opportunity and the space to grow in godliness. Be an incredible thing. Watch what happens. Quickly, the first way we help each other grow is by affirming each other's worth. The second way we help each other grow is by praying for each other's growth. By praying for each other's growth. Colossians 4.12 says, Epaphras, a servant of Jesus Christ from your group also greets you. He always prays for, you, so he prays for you so that you will grow to be spiritually mature and have everything God wants for you. I love the fact that this guy, Epaphras, he, he's praying for other people to grow spiritually. Like we're really good at praying for needs. Yeah, tell me your needs. What's going on, man? I'm going to pray for your finances. Let me pray for your physical needs. Let me pray for your relationship needs. How can I pray for you? But we're not great at praying for spiritual growth. But don't you think that that's the more important? Isn't that the thing that will have the most lasting um, effects? Isn't that the most important thing for us? I mean, people who grow spiritually then have everything that they need to be able to handle the needs as they arise. We need to invest more time in this. Now, a lot of us just say, I don't know how to do this. But if you, if you go through scripture, you'll see a whole bunch of things that you can just pray over people. Ephesians 3, 18 through 19. I pray that you may be able to feel and understand as all God's children should, how long, how wide, how deep, and how high his love really is, and to experience this love for yourselves. There are people in your life that need that prayer today. I mean, and just, just, just try it. Just, just pick their name. Let's just choose a name. Bill. I'll take Bill. Um, Father, I pray that today you would help Bill to be able to feel and understand how long, how wide, how deep, and how high your love really is for him. Today, help Bill to experience this love for himself. What an incredible prayer that is. Imagine if we did it more. Hebrews 13, 21, I pray that God will make you ready to obey him and that you will always be eager to do right. What if we prayed that over our coworkers in the morning? What happened at your business? What if we prayed that every day over our children? God, I pray for Aurora and Ewan and Reese today. Lord, that you would help them to be ready to obey you always and help them to always be eager to do right for the rest of their lives. God, make my children have integrity. What an incredible thing. Romans 15, 13. I pray the God who gives hope will fill you with much joy and peace while you trust in him. Then your hope will overflow by the power of the Holy Spirit. Who needs more hope in their lives? Who do you know in your circle right now that needs some peace? Who do you know that needs joy? Take their name, insert it into this passage, and pray that for them. It's the best source material that you can have. God already breathed these words through Bible authors. He likes these words. He wants to do them. Something that all of us can do, and we can do it now. We can do it starting today. Right now, we can do this. But it's something that we all should do. And finally, the third way that we do this is we encourage each other's commitment. We encourage each other's commitment. So we affirm each other's worth, we pray for each other's growth, and we encourage each other's commitment. Nothing affects your life like your commitments. In fact, we can talk about your commitments, and I can talk to you about the kind of person that you're going to be 20 years from now. All of us can do that because they guide us and shape us. In 1 Timothy 4, 7, we read this verse. It says, train yourself to live a godly life. This is what we really want to do. But how do we do that? How does that happen? How do we become committed to that? Well, I think the very best way that we can do that, honestly, is to just get in a group, to actually participate and join the community of the body of Christ, to join a Supper for Six group over the course of this summer, to just say yes and be a part of it. We don't want to have Supper for Six groups, and we don't want to keep, we keep railing on this and talking about it. We don't do that so we can be successful and say, oh, we have a lot of groups. We do it because we believe that this is the thing that will help you be successful in godliness. It's really important. So how do we do it, man? It's a lot easier when you work out if you work out with somebody else. Have you ever experienced this? Like really quickly, my wife, I bought her a Fitbit for Mother's Day 
And so my wife, um, she got this thing, and she gets in a challenge, a weekly challenge, right? So it was like, like um, Tim Redding and Annette Yanez and April Newhart and some others of you, they're in this thing, like 10 people, to do a certain amount, a certain number of steps a week, like an insane number of steps, like who walks this much kind of number of steps, right? And so, <laughs> I know, disdained once more. So they get, she gets in this challenge, and it, during the week, she's just trying to stay ahead. A little bit of her competitive spirit kind of came out. A little bit. Okay, all of it came out. So we're packing up our house, getting ready to move, right? I'm packing like a normal person. I'm putting things in boxes like this. She's doing it like this. Okay, gotta put this in the box. All right, put this over here. Okay, put this here. Brent, what are you doing? Come on, let's get. She's doing this for a week. I'm like, you're a mad woman. What's wrong with you? She wanted to beat them. But what was happening in her was she had some friends that inspired and challenged her, and she said, I can do more. I can crush them, but I can do more. <laughs> Without the crushing part, this is what we want for all of us. And this is what happens when you get in a group. Romans 1.12, I want us to help each other so that with the faith we have, your faith will help me and my faith will help you. This is why we need a church family. This is why we need to be in a group because we help each other grow in faith. What would happen if we just said, dads, what would happen if on Sunday morning we woke up every Sunday and just said, hey, kids, come on, get up. Get dressed. We're going to go be with the family of God. What happened there? What happened if instead of on a Tuesday night when a supper for six group is going, we're like, oh, man, it's a nice night. I really want to go hang out at Zilker. What happened if we said, I, I made a commitment. I'm going to be trained in godliness. I'm going to go. And we call up a friend and say, hey, man, are you come to the group tonight? Oh, no, I wasn't going to. Oh, what's the deal? Come on, let me help you. I'll pick you up. I'll bring you. I'm going to help you with your commitment. I'm in your corner. I'm going to help you do this. What happened if we lived more like that? Transformation would happen. Why don't you close your eyes, please? I think the fact of the matter is, is that spiritual maturity is a choice. Spiritual maturity is a choice that we make. I've heard this said before, and I think it's true. You are as close to God as you choose to be. We have a decision to make today. So the question I have for you this morning is, what's your next step? What do you need to do? As we've been talking for the past several moments, What's leapt in your heart? What has shown up? What is it that you've said, oh, I, you know, that's me. That speaks to me. I need to do that. I need to make a change. Do you need to invite Jesus into your life, maybe for the first time, to take that first initial step of faith? Do you need to join the church in a greater capacity and say, I'm going to connect with a group of believers who are going to help me live my life? Do you need to open up your life to, to other people? Stop trying to fight it out on your own? you need to commit to a small group to establish some genuine godly relationship do you need to find a place to serve and to use the gifts that god has given you what is it that you need to do what is he calling you to today would you just take a moment and ask the holy spirit to reveal to you what do you want me to do what change do i need to make today what do i need to do to participate more in the community that you've given to me and if you could, I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer with me. If you sense something in your heart and you're like, I, I, need to, I need to make some changes, then would you pray this prayer with me and just repeat it after me and kind of mean it from your gut? I'm going to ask all of us to pray it together. But if you're saying, I feel like he wants me to do this, then just hold on to that as we pray this together. Just repeat after me. Dear God, I want to grow up spiritually. Go ahead, say it out loud. Dear God, I want to grow up spiritually. 
I don't want to stay a spiritual baby anymore. Come on, say it strong. I don't want to stay a spiritual baby anymore. Today, I'm choosing to make some commitments. I commit all of my life to you, Jesus. I want to follow your purpose and plan. I commit to publicly announcing my faith. I commit to not living my life alone anymore. I want to connect with others in genuine relationship, not just superficial. I want to do life together with others. And more than anything else, I commit to be the person that you want me to be. I commit to the journey, and I want you to make your home in my heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.